Well, what y'all been digging in the truth? Let's share a little bit. Let's share a little bit of word. Some things God's been dealing with you on out of these, these psalms you've been reading. Or somewhere else. Doesn't have to be in the psalms. You can't go wrong giving away the word. Something like God's been showing you. Yeah, yeah. God dealing with you, your, what you want to be. If you always want to be something else, you ain't going to fulfill what God sets you apart to be, huh? Unless that want to be is him, what he wants you to be. We covered some ground in the last couple of days. A lot there. Well, something that's really spoke to you as you was digging in it. Psalm 78, which is a great historical psalm, isn't it? It covers some historical events for us. What, what really spoke to you out of that psalm? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great psalm of, of what God desired to do. Um, what he did do, Israel's rebellion and God coming through and taking care of them and, and then they turning, you know, it's just a, uh, a, a great history, uh, historical perspective of what was going on through those times. Insight spiritually. Train up to teach, pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, it is. To share that word, to carry it on. How does the psalm start out? Give ear. Give ear. Give heed. Pay attention. Listen. Yeah, that's good there. You see, the, the passage, here, here's, here's somebody who, who is saying, I understand, I see something here that they're, they're saying that maybe our fathers were not, there may have been some fathers who were not faithful, but I'm going to take it upon my responsibility to teach it to the next generation, whether somebody else will or not. And many of them drop the ball, but it's our duty to pass it on to a generation that is not yet to even be born yet so that they will know of these things. And so you see this, this middle person, he talks about what he did with the fathers, what we heard, and now what's our responsibility to pass on to another generation, to tell them those things. Even if there's a generation before us that missed it, we were fortunate enough to get it. It may not have been your father. It could have been somebody else that told you these things. Well, it's our duty to pass it on. That's why we want to... Uh, teach the word, instruct the word. If somebody's not going to do it, we, we jump in and take on that responsibility as well. Even if somebody else's father won't do it, we see it as our duty to pass it on. Because we, we read over in, uh, what was it, Isaiah, uh, Psalm 22, around verse 30 and 31, when it referred to about a posterity, uh, a seed that was going to serve him. And that they would declare his righteousness, what he did to a generation that has not come yet, that has not been born yet. Well, that's our duty, to tell that story, to go get it out. 
and uh, and that, that gives us a mandate where some people say who do you have the right to tell this person or that person or who do you have the right to tell my child that these things that's my responsibility well it is but it's also my responsibility to make sure they know as well and if you're going to do it you do it I'm going to do it whether you do it or don't do it I'm going to tell the story also and pass it on so that that's a good connection there with with Psalm 22 Psalm 22 and verse 30 and 31 that talks about this generation who's who's going to go and tell serve and declare what he has done to another generation yet to be born what psalm was that that said who do i have on in heaven and whom do i have on earth but you was that psalm 73 what psalm was that toward the end when he says i come up and almost messed up i got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked and like to slipped over the edge myself thinking, man, they sure do look like they have it made. They got this, got that, no worries, and everything's good. But I went into the house of the Lord, and I read the word of God, and I realized what was going to happen to them in the end. And thank you, Lord, you showed me that. 73, that's what I thought. The close, look at the last four or five verses of that. What does it say? Somebody read that. Sandy's doing such a good job. Won't you read it, Sandy? Yeah, I put my trust. That I may declare. There's a, always a prerequisite of declaring, and, and you always have to trust. You have to rely. You're not going to have confidence to go declare if you don't. So you have to trust. You have to depend on. You have to have confidence in before you go confessing among men these things. And we don't have a telling problem, we have a trusting problem. That's what it all boils down to. Just like Psalm 81 says, we really don't have a problem with our adversaries, we have a problem with hearing from God. He said, if you'll position yourself to hear from me, I'd subdue your adversaries, there won't be no trouble. But you really don't have trouble with, the enemy's not your trouble. The enemy is the fact that you're an enemy of mine. And when you get that right, I'll take care of the enemy around you. That won't be no trouble. In the same way, that's a good passage there where you see in others. For an example, turn back a few Psalms and look in Psalm 40. Look in Psalm 40. Look about verse number 7 or 8, maybe 10. Sandy, since you're reading so well... Reading verse number 10. We're going to work that coal out of you tonight. Yeah. Read verse, read verse 6. Start in verse 6. Read up to verse 10. That's a prophetic passage, by the way mentioned in the New Testament in regards to Jesus. Go ahead, keep reading.
Something, ain't it? The glories of, of a compassionate and wonderful king we serve that, that has thoughts toward us that we can trust, be glad in, and call on the saints of God to magnify with us and just having confidence in him. What else? 8410. Yeah, read it to us. Yeah. Who wrote that song? Sons of Korah. Well, who was Korah? He was part of the Levite crew that, that had a responsibility in the house of the Lord. And he wanted something better. He wanted his rather be, right? To be something else. And they rebelled against Moses. And they said, Moses, who, what right do you have to tell us anything? What right do you have to make these assignments? Are you more holy than we? Are you better than we are? And he joined in with a man by the name of Abiram and Dothan, three of them. And they rebelled against Moses. And as a result, the scripture says that the earth opened up. And these men and some of their family members and their tents fell down into the hole and then the hole closed right back up. And later on down the line, some of Cor's descendants wrote this song said, look, we'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than anything else. And y'all have heard that song before. Uh, One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. The idea is understanding your place. If that's what God's assigned you to be, that's the best place in the world to be. And sometimes we get out of order on that where we, we want more and think we deserve more, should have more, and that's not what God assigned us for, and we start uh, rebelling toward him by rebelling against his people, and, and it costs this whole world to swallow us up and get caught up in the, the, the course of this world we live in. And... Um, trouble comes our way so that's a neat psalm his his descendants his grandchildren write a psalm and 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 come up say this revelation look we'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anything else I know grandpa thought otherwise but we're going to stick to keep to the door we like it right passed on core couldn't he died it was well known what happened to Korah, abiram and dothan that the earth swallowed them up that was a that was a story that more likely circulated the camp of israel often don't be messing with that man over there we done seen what happened to people <laughs> that do it ain't good but they still did even after that they would they would uh, rebel um, and not to say God opens the earth all the time because we only know of that one particular time that he did it and recorded it in scripture. He just gives us an illustration to be cautious on um, how we respond to his will. So that, that is a good, good message when you definitely understanding the context of, of their legacy, of their heritage of them saying what they said under the Spirit's influence is definitely a, a 
rewarding word. Look in 81. Psalm 81, that's a, again, I've been focusing on 81 a little bit even today in my mind, pondering over it, thinking on it. That's a, that's, that's a lot of little nuggets all the way through that, that psalm there, which opens up with uh, the demand uh, to make a noise, to praise God, to bring all the instruments out and praise toward him, to um, do what was necessary uh, to, to honor him, to, to lift it up. You know, if you're going to play it, you need to play it unto him. If you're going to sing it, you need to sing it unto him. If whatever you do, you know, praise him. And uh, don't be ashamed of praising him. And don't be ashamed of getting loud and clanging the cymbals if you're going to lift him up, you know, in his name. And then he gets on that, that one phrase that he speaks in there about being in a land where, where the foreign language. Uh, Y'all ponder that for a moment. What verse was that? Verse 5, what does he say? When I heard a language that I did not understand. I hear a language I had not known. Who wrote this song? Does it have an author, give an author to it? Asaph. Asaph. One fourteen one. what does it say? Right, well, we understand the idea. The, 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 the question as we look at that, who's making reference here that they didn't understand this language? Asaph, the writer, or who? The Jews, a foreign language that that was unfamiliar to to the Jew, to the Israelite, as Psalm one fourteen is saying, in language that was unfamiliar to them, and um, and you see that that as we as we read through here, notice what what he's saying that God was able to preserve them in this foreign country. He was able to preserve them and protect them, provide for them, and bless them how much the more now that they are where they're supposed to be. And all the provisions that he has for them, and, and if he could protect them there and multiply them and provide for them, what more would he do for them in their own land that he gave them? Could I give you of the finest of wheat the finest of honey out of the rock had you just opened your, given your ear to me and opened your mouth wide that I would fill it. I, 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 what I could do with you if you would not be rebellious toward me. That's the picture that he's, that he's painting for us. They was in a foreign land with foreign gods and God was able to adequately sustain and supply for them and now he's able to do even that and much more what's the problem well the problem is they they won't give ear to him so he says i give them over i let them go after their old stubborn hearts and their counsels right isn't that what he said that's that's dangerous isn't it that's a dangerous thought when god says okay i'll let you go after whatever you want Go get what you want. If you want it that bad, go after it. 
when I could have given you the finest of the best of everything, you chose to go after that which was second rate. You, as a matter of fact, your enemies deceived you. Look in verse 15. What does he say? The haters, the haters of God would, or what do they do? They pretend to be submissive to him, but they're really not. They pretend to be submissive to him, but they're not. And you bought into their lie and were deceived by them. All the while, I would have subdued them and made it clear and manifested who they were had you just let me admonish you and let me speak to you. You've just given me your ear. See, that's dangerous when he says, I'm going to let you go after your own counsels, the advice of your own heart, which you're receiving from some of these people who act like they're submissive to God. They pretend to be. They're pretenders, but they're really not submissive to him. They're really haters of God. And you have compromised to the point that you can't even pick up on it, that they're not. Matter of fact, they, they look a lot like you. So you pretend in submission to me, too. You can claim my name. You can claim you belong to me. You claim that you believe in me, but you're really not you're really not living like you do. You know. And that's what he's telling them telling them there. That's just a, to me that's a strong thought of, of, of pondering that, that passage when he says the the haters of God pretend to be submissive to him. But then you read in Psalm eighty six when it says the Lord is is good and gracious and slow to anger full of compassion and ready to forgive. I can't help but to woo you in, huh? 85.8. He will speak peace. Scripture says when we trust the Lord, he'll keep us in what? Perfect peace. Peace in troubled times. Think about what he said. I would subdue their adversaries, their enemies. They would only give ear and walk in my way. I'd subdue them. Then we read, go, go look over in Psalm 8 real quick. Psalm 8. Look in the first few verses. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, out of the mouth of, of children, little ones, you have ordained strength. The New Testament says you've ordained praise out of from that passage. To do what? To stop the mouth or to silence who? To silence the enemy. To shut the mouth of the enemy. Remember, Psalm 81 opened up about all about praising God, right? Praise him with the heart, praise him with the timbrel, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. And he says, if my people would just give ear to me, if they would just walk in my way, I would subdue the adversary, their enemy. They don't have a, they don't have a problem with the enemy. Their real problem is with me. And then you read in Psalm 8 when he says, he has ordained strength out of the mouth of even little ones. 
praise out of the mouth of the lips, to shut the mouth, to silence the, the adversary and the enemy, to, to stop his mouth, to quiet him. Just process and put, putting that together, you, 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 we come to the conclusion on these things is that we, we really don't have an issue with, with the enemies around us or the adversaries around us as much as we have an issue with giving praise and adoration and our attention unto the, to the Lord God that we're to be serving. In essence, that's where our trouble's at. Do. Because we lack confidence, because we lack trust. If we trusted him, we would praise him. and We'd give him glory. And God would work supernatural because the scripture tells us that Psalm 22 says God is, he is enthroned in the praises of his people. He is seated on the throne, we enthrone him in, in the praises of it. Look at it, Psalm 22. Look in verse 3. Giving praise, showing forth, declaring praise. And if you notice, most all these, all these psalms are songs. That's what they are. And they are attributing praise to God. But you know what they're doing more than anything? They're, they're declaring or showing forth what God praises. That's something that we fail to often recognize that when we praise God, when we declare praises to him, yes, we're to praise him for who he is, but we, we praise him by praising what he delights in, where he finds pleasure in, what he, what he declares as being praiseworthy. That's where... Uh, he shows up in a mighty and significant way. But what Psalm 22, I believe it's verse 3. What does it say? You are holy. Enthroned in the praises. Of, you are holy. You are uniquely separated, different, apart from anyone, anything, any way. And you are enthroned, or you inhabit, some translations say, the praises of your people. Inhabit, enthroned is saying you dwell in the praises of your people. And the enemy in the presence of God has got to keep his mouth shut. Amen. <laughs> What's he going to say or do in, in, in his presence? Silent. Subdued. I'm thinking of another passage right now, and I thought about it just a minute ago. Our God is holy, enthroned in the praises of his people. One more passage. Look in, look in Psalm 148. 148, I think in verse number. Psalm 148 is all about praise. And that everything that is in heaven needs to be praising God. Everything that is on earth should be praising God. But it talks about a particular praise that is superior to every other form of praise. Somebody read verse number 6. Let's start there. Okay, the word horn 
is a figurative or symbolic word for the word strength. Why? Because a horn is something that is strong. It's hard. It's, it's, it speaks of strength. So it's saying that God has, has elevated. He has lifted up the strength of his people. Of one particular praise of all the, all the world. That's including angelic host as well as everything in the earth and above the earth. The sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the sea creatures, all beasts and creeping things. Anything that praises him, he's, he's, he's exalted or elevated one element of praise above all of them. And that is the praises of his people. Praises of his saints. That's been superior to everything else and as a result he dwells in that praise he he takes and he inhabits that he enthrones himself we enthrone him in that praise and the enemy must be silent in his presence he can only speak in when he's spoken to he don't come up and ask god uh, a question he god asks him a question if he's going if he's going to talk so he's silent in his presence and he subdues him he's under his power so when we think about that we it goes back to trust it goes back to fear anticipating resting in him when we do we'll we'll praise him we'll exalt him we'll magnify him and and god does the supernatural because he's elevated that that praise above all other praise even though the angels Praise him nonstop, sing holy, holy, holy to him. It doesn't compare to the praises of his people. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Look into the manifold wisdom of the church, the scripture says in the New Testament. Peter in the book of Ephesians. Yep. And how often we fail to praise him, huh? Praise him, praise him, praise him. It goes back to where Sandy started off reading first when it says, Lord, when I trust you, I'll declare. I'll, I'll sing forth. I'll declare your praises. I'll show it forth. It's a trust issue, isn't it? It's not an enemy issue. It's a trust issue. Trust issue. Anybody else have anything? Praise and praise and praise him. You say, well, I failed him. Well, he's, he's slow to anger. He's good and gracious, long-suffering, quick and ready to forgive. Amen? Amen? Quick and ready to forgive. To him be the glory. Oh, one more passage. One more passage. I know you done closed your Bible up, but look, it's in your lap. It won't take you but a second. You, you, Psalm 89, look in Psalm 89. I, I knew I had something else I wanted to go to. It was on my, on my mind and my spirit. I'm not sure what verse. It's down in there a pretty good ways. It's probably going to be in the 20s. Talks about an enemy. Talks about David. Something about being outwitted. 22, what does it say? The enemy shall not what? 
Glory be to God. Listen to that. Here's a man after his own heart. David messed up big time. He did some silly, stupid stuff. But God said, look, he's mine. And I, I, I'm, I've got my favor upon the man. And even though he messes up, I'm not going to take my love and kindness off of him. Y'all remember he, he, read, he said that, didn't he? You get over in a few more passages, he said, though they mess up, I will, I will whip them. I'll use men to chastise them. But I'm not going to take my love and kindness off of them. And the enemy is not going to outwit him. If he stumbles, he's going to stumble of his own accord. It wasn't because of the enemy outwit him. The enemy cannot outwit my people walking with me. It's impossible. But when they get on their own, it wasn't the enemy. It was them who, who yielded over to the enemy and gave themselves. But the enemy's not going to outwit my servant. Not with my favor upon him. It ain't going to happen. You can count on that. That's great confidence. Walk with the Lord. Walk humbly with your God. You're not going. The enemy's not going to outdo you. He's not going to trick you and outwit you. He's just not going to do 